Yes. 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 Yeah. There wow. we go, guys. Guys, it's it's good to see you. And I hope everybody uh, paying attention or listening realizes that we actually haven't seen each other like in months since or, the last podcast. Like, I mean, yeah, much. in person, no, but even like this. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have talked, and I guess me and Jordan did an unnecessary conversation. Which, oh, what true. the fuck? You haven't done it, Justin. Would he be good on it? I don't. Yeah. Think I, I don't think I'd be good only for the sheer fact that like I know Jordan too well. Yeah, but that would that would be great. You could beat him to the punch. Eh, I've got like thirty five years of you know thirty three years of experience with it. I don't know. I think you Although, should. Yeah, I, I would say you know like uh, not the character because I think it's just you know it's just a a, a part of, of who Jordan is. You know, we haven't experienced as much of this. You know, which I would say is the is the best Jordan until now. Thank you. I don't. Well, the world is responding in kind. I do have a new sponsor, Wishbone Dressing, wish-bone.com, people. They have a slogan? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Let me hear it. Buy our creamy French. <laughs> uh, see, well, see, this is like, see, now that he's not doing, right? The unnecessary conversation guy, he's still there, though, because... What people don't know is that is just, that's Jordan. It's not shtick. No, that's my brother. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, <laughs> you let little of your soft side show, but it is you, I'll say, mm. when you're doing the unnecessary conversations. You show way more of your soft side on this podcast. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, look, here's the thing. I feel more comfortable, and I may have shared this uh, earlier this year, I feel more comfortable leaning into that Jordan because I've spent so much of my life and professional career the past decade plus pulling on the opposite side of that where I am much more grounded and I'm much more intellectual and emotionally available and all these things. And that's wonderful and necessary and needed for me, especially as I've grown my career in all kinds of ways that have helped me feel really successful and alive, but I'm like also a fucking clown, you know? But I think it's because I feel so comfortable and confident in all these other aspects on the other side of that, that I feel full permission now and, and publicly even more so to have more fun and to be a bit loose and to let more of my like comedic side come out. Um, because I know that's not what's going to define me in whole. But all of us are a mix of all kinds of things. Yeah, it's just nice to see that you get a chance to air that side, for sure. And it's, an, it's very entertaining and funny. And I think a lot of times your guests like think they know what's going to happen. And they think they know how to, like, how to respond to you. And it's just great watching them face plant a lot of times and how you handle that. Thank I enjoy it. I, I like that kind of humor. Uh, thanks, man. I Look, I try, I reach out to everyone beforehand and I say, like, punch down at me. I should be the fool. Uh, fight back. Defend your audience because oftentimes I found, so for instance, Matt, before this we were talking about, you know, your buddy Pliny and I only developed a relationship with him because of the chocolate croissants episode that we did with him. Um, but I liked him a lot. I felt like there was a decent enough rapport where I had the audacity to ask for an hour plus of his time uh, to 
perhaps waste his time publicly uh, as he was releasing an, a new album. And like, it was hard for me to just shit on him because I didn't know him that well and I wasn't sure how he was going to respond to it. Uh, so oftentimes I'm just attacking like the audience and that's sometimes even more fun. Well, yeah, especially when you have the people that come back every week and they participate. You know, I, I always see the same few people that are there, some of whom are just like your friends who are just watching and enjoying, but then some people who try to get in on it and those are the people that it's fun to really engage with in a in a kind of fuckery way. Yeah. The, the, but the people who have like by far done the best, I feel like are the ones that are not friends with Jordan because I feel like when you're friends with the person, it's it's uh, it's harder especially if you don't have it in you. Like Jordan has it in him to punch down on someone. And these other people, I don't feel like, you know, if, if you're friendly with someone, it's harder to bring that out of you, especially if that's not in you. And I feel like a lot of the, the first group of guests, let's say the first like dozen people, they weren't ready. Although you can prepare them, you can tee it up and say, come on, like, just like give it back to me. If you don't have it in you, you're not ready for it, right? But then it, like Mike Dawes or Pliny and these other people, they... Robert S. Pearson, they, I feel like they weave their own angle into it. Polini was great in that all he wanted was to get Jordan to crack. So he yeah. sat like in the camera and did these like very sweet nothings of source, you know, just through, just through like visuals with his face, waiting for Jordan just, just like, you know, like quietly crack. And I, and it took, you know, and, and I think what was, what's been interesting is I guess what originally it was an hour you could go live on Instagram. And now you can go four hours. And so some of these were going to go, I don't know, some of these went like two hours plus, right? Yeah, and the last and one went, the, we call it the full four on Instagram Live. Oh, the full four. Okay, right, right. So, so but but I, I think it was, I think it took Polini like an hour and 45 minutes to finally get Jordan to like fall off the camera and laugh, which is incredible, right? This is like when we watch Eric Andre or, you know, a show like that, where you would think at this point, it's like, come on, these guests that are coming on, they should know what they're getting themselves into. If they can like fight back in that way, obviously that's, that's amazing for everyone. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks. I, and I want to say as I'm, it's all ribbon. I do it in, in the spirit of love. Uh, I know there's many people that will watch because say there's a Mike Dolls on who was phenomenal, by the way, like one of phenomenal. the, quick, one of the quickest minds and best uh, just sense of humor that I was able to play the game with. And that's how I look at it. It's just a game. And we're just kind of jabbing back and forth and some land better than others. Uh, and some of the fans watching, like, they just don't get it or they just don't like it. Um, I was a guest on a wrestling podcast uh, a couple weekends ago and someone wrote in their comment section, uh, like, if I ever hear another fucking podcast with a fucking cowbell, I'm fucking unsubscribing from your Patreon. And like, that's fine. <laughs> You know, so I, I'm going to show up as me, like I'm having a good time. Uh, most of the people seem to be entertained. And if there's some that just don't like it, I kind of take that as a sign that I'm doing something right, because I'd rather leave an impression than just be uh, not memorable in any way. Yeah, I liked, uh, I really thought it was hilarious watching Mike Dawes. And then I thought Mark did a good job too. Yeah, yeah, Mark, Mark Holcomb. Holcomb. Yeah, he's super funny too. Well, they have a similar sense of wittiness, for sure, him and Mike. And then Pliny, obviously, is just so good at 
committing to He's to lovable. He's so lovable. Yeah. So I want to see at some point, I think you'll find a guest who just goes silent the whole time. Completely <laughs> silent. Like literally doesn't say a word. I don't know who it's going to be, but someone's going to do it. And that'll be a fun challenge for you. Well, the issue is I would be completely fine sitting in silence as well for now. <clears throat> yeah, but you've already done that. You had the you have that thing with with uh, what was his the McDonald's? What was yeah, the, um, uh, American McDonald's radical Matt Ellen. Uh, we yeah right. we, we started. He was the guest many months ago, and then it was so much fun that uh, in the days after we would just hop on for ten to twenty minutes at a time, just eating snacks and not saying anything for the entirety of the Instagram live. So. I don't know. This shit's fun. Like I'm trying to be responsible by not being around people uh, physically, but I'm a hyper social person and was used to a lifestyle where I was out in public more days and nights than not. And thank God for technology to allow me to continue to socialize in interesting, creative and in some people's opinions, uh, unnecessary ways. I want to pose a question, actually, because I, I, I keep thinking about Jordan, when, when you started Beatwell. And you were trying to develop the the persona of, of who is this guy who should be leading these drum circles with the background that you have and what you wanted to convey to the world. It sucked. But but so so I think back right and and I know you 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 asked me some questions and we would go back and forth we would look at clothes and you would dress a certain way you would present as a certain person right. Then as time went on it evolved right you get more confident in the gig. You get more confident in yourself and you start to say, hey, like, I'm going to let my hair down and try to just be a little bit more authentically me and maybe less of a guy who I'm trying to portray in this role. And, and Matt, I'll pose the same question to you. You know, I know you've been been doing your, your drum thing for what seems like forever. You know, curious if maybe there was a time where you felt like you had to have a certain look or put on a certain way to get people or your audience to kind of, I don't know if it's buy in a bit more or it's just what you thought you had to represent to the world. Jordan, for you to start, because we can kind of think vividly back to some early promo and, and other stuff that you were doing and just look at well, what you were putting out for, for Bewell. How long did it take for you to start kind of saying, oh, I'm going to like, you know, feel a bit more like just me and less of me trying to be the guy that I want to be? It, great question and conversation. And I think most people can relate to this. Uh, I think back to my first day of graduate school and I still have the student ID and I look at it and I'm like, that is clearly me after being in a relatively successful rock band with you, Justin. And I'm like, man, this haircut is stupid. And that polo shirt is stupid. For me, and what I mean by stupid is it didn't feel like me. And it wasn't until the first year of grad school where I found a legitimate way to connect drumming and uh, being me as a musician with that field and with that career trajectory at the time. That's when I started to at least have a bit more vision for myself. And I felt like I can show up in a way that feels more honest or more authentic. Uh, but even still, for many years with Beatwell, I was trying to sell not only the public, but professors and uh, colleagues and other students on this idea that I'm going to drum as a modality at a, at a business conference, or I'm going to drum as a modality for group therapy. And that was daunting. So I probably dressed more professionally than I felt comfortable doing. Still relative. I mean, I wasn't 
putting on a tie or anything, but I, I tried to be smart. I wanted people to, uh, to value me and to take me seriously because I figured that the drum circle, quote unquote, was already an uphill battle given decades of a stereotype that has been uh, crystallized in, in our culture around drum circle people and drum circle culture uh, being for like lazy, dirty hippies that are just high and don't care about anything. So I wanted to elevate the drum circle in a sense or elevate uh, drumming in a sense in an academic community, in a clinical community, in a scientific community. And even though I know it's been used for thousands of years for community building and healing, etc., again, I had to be in rhythm with the audiences I was trying to affect change within that were more buttoned up and traditional in our culture. I don't think there was moments. It's just over time, as I became more successful, as I became more confident, and as I just stopped caring as much about what people thought of me, I allowed myself to use language, uh, to use humor, uh, to dress in ways that felt better for me. Uh, so I think it's just, yeah, it, it, there's not moments. It's just an evolution with intention because I'm always trying to find my way back to myself. And I think we all are in certain ways. Um, Matt, I'm curious for you. You've been a drummer your whole life, but you also have uh, engaged in, in high profile ways in the tech space or the entrepreneurial space or just more generally business communities. I'm curious if you ever felt, uh, or even when you started doing your first uh, drum uh, just the like master sessions or the conferences and things like that, where you're on a stage, the clinics, the clinics and uh, yeah. and or the festivals where you're being filmed on stage and you understand this is going to be on YouTube for decades to come, perhaps. Uh, did you ever feel a pressure to uh, dress a certain way or speak a certain way or even to maybe use more humor when that wouldn't have been the natural go-to for you? Uh, it was for, okay. So I think along for a long time, it was based off the type of band that I was in and like what was supposedly the look or style for that band to a degree. But I, I never fully bought into those styles because I always felt more comfortable doing what I felt was right for me. And like, I hate to define it by, you know, one particular thing, but like the V neck was like the thing that I felt really comfortable wearing. You know, that just felt good on me. It, I liked the look. that So, like, I just subscribed to that. And that's what I, in terms of, like, costume, so to speak, or what I wore, that's what it was. And people started to know me as that, almost like how people have defined my band as a certain genre, you know. Um, so you embrace it to a degree. Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. But, like, when it, when it comes to, like getting outside of being in a band, which, you know, when you're in a band, it's like, you do what you want. You're, you know, you're against the, uh, the norms of society in some ways. I carried that edge with me into business meetings, into, um, you know, conferences with clinics. I always kind of felt like I was the guy in the band from the band doing the thing. So I represented that. I think there's one particular clinic in mind when I did PASIC, uh, a bunch of years back, you know, I wore a flannel on stage and I don't know whether that's because I felt like, uh, it, it was a more formal event. So maybe I, I, I 
let myself to that a little bit, but I really didn't necessarily. It's funny, the big events like that, that I've done, I always, I always look back and I say like, man, I wish I was just more myself. You know, I wish I did more of what I wanted to do instead of listening to people who said, hey, you should teach this or you should not teach this or you should play more versus teach. And the most fun and like the best sort of clinics or educational events that I've done have been the ones where I'm completely like just completely myself and go all the way into being comfortable. So I learned that lesson along the way. And now I don't bend for anybody in that regard. I will you know, unapologetically be the way that I want to be in those situations. Um, but I think what's funny over time is like, I kind of, you know, I, look, I still wear V-necks. I love V-necks. They're comfortable, but I also wear other things. Like I'm not wearing one right now. And it's funny when I post videos of, you know, me in a shirt like this or a sweatshirt or a crew neck, people are like, what the hell? That's not Matt. Like, <laughs> Where, where's Matt? There's nobody. It's like, 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 yeah, who the fuck are you? Like, right. And it's like, well, for? Well, hey, gent is not a genre, you know, I'll argue that, you know, it could be, but it might not be. So that's why we put it on a, on a t-shirt and we're, you know, we're selling it now. People love it because it's a fun, it's a fun talking point. And it's all fun. I mean, all this stuff is like fun things to help you sort of stand out in your, you know, in your space. And that's how I look at it. But definitely over time, because I've been in this band for so long, because I've established myself as a drummer or an educator, because I've established myself now in a company that's been around for a while. I'm not necessarily, um, at least on a daily basis, pushing a new thing that needs to fit into a box. And even if I was, I would still, I've learned the lesson of just like, don't, don't change based on the the audience you're pushing into. I think you'll attract more people, um, to what you're doing by just being you and unapologetically being you that's how you you know you you can i can tie myself as myself to any thing yeah um and that's going to be the best way to do it and i've learned that which is great because it takes off a lot of pressure Mm. there's no pressure that way so i'll pose that question now to you justin because now you know with your job that you've had for the last year or so and with now you know actually being licensed which um, i don't know if you want to share that but that's fucking awesome cowbell um, you know, like, so do you feel the pressure of being more professional in terms of how you carry yourself? Not that you, not that you're not professional, but I'm just curious to throw that question back at you with the achievements that you have, how it changes your perspective of that for yourself. Interestingly, nothing really changes for me because typically like, and I think this is this is like an, an easy thing to be said. I typically wear a, a very similar dark jean every day. I wear it's usually just the shoes that change. I'm, I'm very comfortable in like a, in my stretch neck uh, black T-shirt. And this is kind of like this has been my go to for uh, a pretty long period of time. And I think it in my head, I have ideas of why I went that way. Uh, what it represents to me and the way that it feels. It's not like a Steve Jobs thing where like, you know, oh, I'm going to wear the same thing every day because that makes my life a little bit more simple and I can focus on other tasks. It's just what has always made me feel most authentically me and most comfortable. And as a guy who who has always been into fashion, uh, I think this was, you know, from years and years of kind of trial and error, this is what landed uh, me just feeling most like me. And, and I'm very glad that I feel like 
in this attire, I'm representing what's on the inside just now on the outside. And the great thing about that is, is as, as I wear it, I'm comfortable, I'm more comfortable in my own skin in this versus if I was like wearing a, a suit or something different uh, and trying to go out and, and do the same thing. And I think that's, um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the, the, the V-neck or, or any of these things. And I was thinking about Matt, as you were talking about the stuff and then you wear something different uh, and, and people like call you out on it, but, or going and, and doing what someone else wants you to do. It's like you, you want to dress for what you're doing, but at the same time, if you don't feel comfortable, it's going to be hard to go out there and do what you want to do and portray and, and um, convey the message that you're trying to, trying to convey. Right. So I'm, I'm glad that I could always use what I'm currently wearing and I, I still feel professional. Uh, and, and nothing really has to change. And I'm really glad that, you know, look, uh, yes, now things are, are a bit more, uh, I don't know, for what, for lack of better words, I mean, they're just a little bit more legit now because now I like the license out of the way. I've taken the exams and, you know, all that's behind me, but I, I'm not going to change anything. Although if I were to start posting more, I think I, I would try to just make sure it's, it, it's in the voice that I want it to be. And, and that's something just because it's a bit newer still that I haven't really sat back and thought about. And although part of me maybe wants that to come faster, I still have to realize that this is, this is uh, still new territory and I'm still navigating that. And, and, uh, and I think that is probably more my version of what Jordan went through initially in trying to uh, portray himself a certain way, but through clothes. So you, you brought up a few uh, good points. Uh, one, the distinction between how we express ourselves physically in dress, but also how we express ourselves uh, through the stories we tell and the energy that we express, uh, etc. Uh, I've been transitioning to a Beatwell professional coaching practice, and I've noticed that a lot of the people that I'm working with, uh, a lot of what's been valuable for them is helping them to... Uh, be able to identify, but then ultimately express a unique, authentic, professional identity. Most people haven't considered, how do I speak about what I do? How do I speak about the value I can be uh, to a specific audience in the world? So for you, Justin, uh, I hear that, that you haven't put as much effort into that. I would love to do that, that, that work together with you. Uh, sooner than later. But I think you're bearing the lead when it comes to your physical dress. You're sharing with the audience right now that I wear a simple black shirt and a simple black jean. You wear leopard shoes, but you're working in a long-term care facility. So I know for you, it's like, well, those are just my shoes. And to Matt and I, it's like, well, those are just his shoes. But to uh, other people that have no perception of you and to other people that uh, have ideas or have their own stories of this is what a health professional uh, presents physically in this setting, leopard shoes probably would not be what they have in mind. So I'm curious. I'd imagine you have worn those shoes, and I'd imagine you've gotten plenty of people who just fucking love them and want to rock with you, and there's probably some people that kind of look sideways, and then your personality and your intellect will bring them back around once they start interacting with you. But I'm curious if that was ever a thing that you had to consider uh, when you first started working there earlier this year. So, uh, no, no. And, and that's just something that I wouldn't necessarily want to change. The, 
Fortunately, they, they are a bit more, uh, I guess you could say, on the dressy side, so they still kind of fit the bill if there was one. And I guess to be fair, in a profession, dietetics, it's, that's, that's uh, you know, heavily uh, female. When you get the guys that enter into that space, I feel like it's either from the side of, of like a sports nutrition and they're going to wear a very specific, you know, a lot of those guys have a very specific defined look that kind of comes more of like uh, the gym, the coach, etc. Just a little bit more amplified because they're not, you know, in the gym setting most of the time. Uh, and then on the other side, there is, I think, a, um, at least the people that are kind of out in front, I see a little bit more flamboyance. You know, I, I see a lot of the, the, you know, maybe like a Gucci loafer of sorts, you know, but, but with more of a suit feel. And I think for me, I kind of probably, you know, kind of to maybe Matt's early point, you know, I kind of go with what felt good uh, as a musician, as someone who might be on stage performing and all these other things. And, and this has always felt good to me as like, and I call it, it's like my cartoon character look because it's, it's always often the same, you know, Doug hence funny. Like, like Doug funny. Uh, and, and the nice thing is, is I feel like it is, you know, a, a bit of the, uh, uh, chameleon outfit of sorts. Like I can kind of go into different roles, but in wearing the same thing that always makes me feel comfortable. And I, and I think it's, uh, there's something huge to be said about feeling comfortable in your own skin, but also feeling comfortable in the stuff that covers the skin. And you want to be, you know, I mean, look, a lot of people, I think, put on certain clothes to try to feel or, or portray, you know, a, a certain way into the world from a sociology standpoint, but but it's not really them. And and I think it really takes a concerted effort, especially if you're not into fashion, to, to trial and error until you get to that point, which... I want to circle back because Jordan, the, the look that you currently have, the curls and the big hair is very reminiscent of the guy that you were, you know, or at least that you looked like rather, not art, but, you know, were back then. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you can draw of inspiration or something you can kind of say to yourself, hey, back then, maybe that was a bit more authentic uh, to me just because it, it was a little bit more free and you were a little bit more uh, of that comedic side of Jordan. I think in those ways, yes. Obviously, in other ways, I've matured greatly. Uh, but Absolutely. And look, I'm many weeks past due for a haircut. I had one scheduled <laughs> weeks ago, and then being exposed to someone out of an abundance of caution, I canceled it and stayed home for a few days. Mm. So I need a haircut. Um, if That's why I'm wearing this headband more often than not uh, right now. Uh, but yeah, having the hair feels more free right now and I think in many ways the ways I've allowed myself to be expressive in the world uh, has I, I feel more free it feels good um, I'm not sure if we're entirely boring Matt and he's now just back to his book um, it's fine let me let me post something to Matt Matt as a guy who uh, doesn't have hair and hasn't been able to use that uh, which I think a lot of people end up doing you know, look look in the metal scene right long hair Right or a mohawk or something of that nature uh, can be a, a very big statement, kind of like the way that I wear these pointed leopard shoes, a la the uh, licorice man in Candyland. Um, without having that uh, and and knowing kind of how you you dress, uh, has there ever been a time where you felt like you know I might want to do something a little different? Although I got uh, I got put into a box as the V neck guy, and you went off and did the great thing that you often do and you made light of it and did a whole 
you know, you did a business on it, right? People wore the V-neck and that was wonderful. Uh, has there ever been a time where you're like, you know, I'm going to wear a fucking like cape? <laughs> no, but I wear hats. <laughs> That's you know? true. That's true. <laughs> you know? And if anything, I've, I've like stopped wearing hats, you know, as frequently as I used to. Um, partially again, it's just, uh, you know, I think I got to a point where it's just like, I'm embracing who I am and what I want to wear and wh- how I want to look. And just, you know, this is me. I don't give a shit anymore because there, there, obviously there's always a time when you, when you want to, um, appeal to the, the people that support you and that know you as a certain thing, but it's like, I, I don't, I don't. I don't think me embracing myself as me changes that. If anything, I think it probably warrants more respect from people who see that and can go, Oh yeah, that's cool. He's just being himself. Like, that's awesome. I didn't know Matt had a top of a head that didn't have a hat on it. (laughs) It's like the uh, red hot chili peppers. Well, well, right. It's like, and that was, it's funny. I was just going to mention that because people were like saying, Oh, Matt's the Chad Smith of metal. Right. You know, and that's cool. Like I'll take it all day, but I also like, I'm I'm also not trying to be the Chad Smith of metal in terms of my look and what I wear and how I carry myself. I was just, I liked that look for me. Uh, But it also wouldn't deter me from wearing a hat because people say that, like, I don't care. That's fine. Let them let people say that if they want to let people comment on the V necks if they want to. Uh, You know, I, I just, um, you know, it's funny. The one thing that I'll say that I've started doing more as well, and it's interesting that we're talking about clothing, is like, you know, I this used is to our, wear... This is our 2020 wrap-up. <laughs> right, <I know. laughs> the, the fashion edition. <laughs> well, it's fun. So I, I was somewhere recently. Uh, I went I went uh, over to, to get some work done on uh, on my car with Sam, with our, hmm. with our good friend Sam. And Sam was like, yeah, one of the guys in the back was like, yeah, I, I don't get his style. Like the top and the bottom don't match. Whoa! And, like, like were you wearing some shorts? No, I was. Uh, I'm wearing like my joggers. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So like, you know, and I'm I'm big and broad up top, and then I'm wearing these joggers that are like tight fitting. But you know, it's like I don't care. Like, right. That's if it, it's really comfortable, and it feels very me, and that's fine. I don't care if people think I look goofy or weird. Like, I think. You only look weird if you don't own it. Yeah. You know, like if, if, if you are, if you're wearing something because you think you should, or you're, you know, like you can always experiment and realize, oh, this doesn't fit and that's fine. But like, if you truly feel yourself in whatever you're wearing or whatever you're doing or however you're speaking or carrying yourself or interacting with other people, then that's what you should do. And people will learn to accept that similarly to like the leopard shoes. You know, it's like you own it. So people will look at you and they won't look at it as something that stands out awkwardly or odd because it fits you. And same thing with your look now, Jordan, with, you know, with the way that you've sort of just embraced being yourself and and visualizing who you are. It's with anything, right? Like, like you could play drums a certain way that people just don't understand at first. And if you're like, yeah, but like, this is how I love to do said X thing. You just own it, right? And I think, I mean, that's that's for yeah. everyone in anything you're doing, right? Right. And the cool part about this is who knows in five years or even a month what we're going to be doing differently. Like I could realize all of a sudden that, you know what, like I uh, really am into like, 
I don't know, hunting attire. I'm going to start wearing like, you know, hunting camouflage. I don't, I'm just, who knows? You know, it's like, and then that becomes me, you know, and and that's just who I am. Wait, I mean, look what you're wearing on the bottom. He's got camo. Yeah. Okay. I got camo. Right. So to be fair, you're halfway there. Yeah, but I've been doing this for a while, so. Well, I do want to say, uh, I love the joggers look. It's it's very comfortable. I, I would even call it uh, Halpern chic, perhaps. Mm. And you act okay. you, you brought up your your Jeep, and that's where I wanted to slightly pivot the conversation. What I've always admired about you, Matt, and I think a lot of the people that pay attention to you probably find inspiration uh, within you is that not just in, in in the dress or or how we verbally communicate, but in the ways in which you have followed your own individual passions, which you have many. Uh, you have found really unique ways to to follow that and explore that. A perfect example is the video that you produced, like with your vehicle and the drum set. Like I don't know if there's other drummers who have done anything quite like that with that level of production, uh, but I think you've been really good at demonstrating your comfort in falling in love with something or wanting to explore something in deeper ways, uh, whether it's your car or coffee, or an ice bath, or any number of things. And you've been able to find uh, unique ways to explore that. You can leverage your skill as a drummer. You can leverage your talents as a drummer and your audience uh, that you've uh, you know, earned as a drummer, and then create something new with the Jeep brand, or just create something new in the automotive space. Uh, for example, uh, one of many things. and. I don't see a lot of people doing that perhaps as frequently and at the levels just of depth and creativity uh, that you're able to do that. They're probably, you know, if you had, say, like a personal manager of sorts, uh, he, she, or they could say, hey, Matt, I don't know if the car thing is the best uh, use of your resources, your time, your money, whatever, right now, the attention that your fans are willing to give you. Uh, That could be advice that others, you know, may have given you or perhaps would because that doesn't necessarily uh, help them see the North Star of you becoming uh, the drummer that they think you should be. Uh, I'd argue that you are a leader in a sense of showing, hey, I'm a human being with diverse interests that change and evolve over time because you're a human being that, like, is living. And of course, we're going to change and evolve over time. Uh, but it seems like that hasn't stopped you from trying new things, exploring new things, and sharing it publicly publicly with your audience. Uh, and I think that's something uh, to be to be uh, acknowledged publicly, and at least from a personal perspective, uh, I admire it and I really respect it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo the same sentiments and pose a question. Does it? I, I know that your bandmates, you know, and then others in your circle, there are, uh, there are car guys out there, right? Yeah. Misha or Tosin, et cetera, right? Or, you know, seem like guys that do share this kind of stuff, um, into F1 racing. So it's not like you don't have friends in your inner circle that you could go to and chop it up with about cars, right? Completely void of music, which might seem like, oh, we just talk music all day. But no, you've got other interests. We could talk about this stuff. Does it ever feel like out of necessity that you just want to facilitate more of a conversation about something that you're currently into, be it coffee or the uh, the, the track hawk or something else, and you're just like, hey, you know what? 
I'm going to show uh, something that I love and see if I can get some other people into it because I'm interested just in engaging more in that currently. Does it ever feel that way? Maybe not deliberately in that sense, but sure. I mean, it, it's always great to find other connecting points with people that pay attention to me because of one specific thing, like people that follow me because of the band also have other interests in life. And if you can create more connecting points, then it just, you know, it ties you together with those people in a more authentic, in more authentic ways, I should say. Uh, so that's definitely like, you know, a, 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 a part of it, but not necessarily the main reason. I mean, the main reason is just like, like Jordan said, I, I am very open to finding new interests in my life. And, and, you know, I'm always looking for things that I can latch on to genuinely and, and, and enjoy. And I think it's natural to want to share those things, you know, and I think for me, the best way to do that is to try to come up with like, and really this is just because it's fun for me, come up with creative ways to tie it in. So like that shoot that we did with the vehicle, you know, um, it, it certainly was like a goofy idea at first where I'm on the phone with the company that makes the exhaust and my buddy, uh, my buddy Josh, and we're talking about like different cool creative things we could do. And, you know, threw it out there almost tongue in cheek of like, well, we could do like a rev off with me on the drums and, you know, the, the car and everybody on the call is laughing and saying how ridiculous that is. And everyone is saying that let's, let's embrace that ridiculousness because why not? And my feeling is like, yeah, like the, if it's all in good fun, then ridiculousness is, is totally fine. And I mean, that's like the height you? of it. Yeah. Well, right. I'm just it's saying like, the box. What are you going to do? Like the same, you know, the same thing that everybody else does. Like I, and I also preach all the time to people, embrace your talents, embrace your strengths and try to use, you know, the things that you're good at, um, with other things you're good at and, you know, connect the dots between the things that you do so that you can create something that is very different or special or that helps you stand out. And that's just, that's that in practice right now. Did I feel fully comfortable when it came time to press the, the publish button? No, honestly, I didn't. I was like anxious because I knew it was weird and ridiculous. And I knew a lot of people wouldn't get it. I knew a lot of people would be like, wait, I don't understand. Like, what did I just watch? Is this serious? Like a lot of people didn't understand that it was supposed to be essentially comedic in a way and ridiculous and off the wall and not a serious thing at all. It was just a fun thing. So, you know, it's funny you talk about a personal manager. I deliberated with the band's manager, mm -hmm. Wayne, about this a lot. And he was like, dude, I think it's amazing. I think it's great. I think it's hilarious. I think it's different. I think it ties into drumming. I think, you know, it ties into your interests. This is awesome. We should totally put this out. You should totally put it on Periphery's YouTube. You should put it on all the socials. You should put it everywhere. Where I was like, I don't know if I should put it on the periphery YouTube. I don't know if I should do that. It's my thing, not the band's. And he's like, no, do it. It's awesome. Like, this is new, fun, different shit to push out there. The periphery logo was on the video, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, it I, was. and I noticed that. So it was like, yeah, this is not just Matt Halpern, but like the band is embracing this, you know, piece of art. 
Yeah. Well, sure. And like, I, you know, I had a call with Misha after, well, I mean, he knew about it beforehand. He thought it was great, but even after it went live and I'm seeing, you know, this, this very normal, um, sort of, you know, uh, mixed pool of comments and, and thoughts about it. And I'm saying to him like, dude, um, you know, um, uh, having doubts and insecurities about it because some people are saying, I, you know, I should rephrase that. The majority of people are saying, this is awesome. This is hilarious. This is totally cool. I get it. This is, you know, one of the fun, funnest things I've seen. But then you have this other contingent that are like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I just wasted two minutes of my life. You know, I, I was a fan and now I'm not. And I, I called Misha and I was like, I feel like I made a mistake posting it. And he's like, where, why would you think that? Like, he just kind of reassured me like one, it's awesome. Two, if you think about it, it's like every, every kid's dream who likes drums and cars. Like this is a dream come true to combine a fucking really cool car with a really cool drum set, like, and playing drums. Like what's there to, what's there to feel stupid about? Like, so he, he brought me back to center in that way. And I think it's important for everybody listening to know it's like, even though I, I like my experience and my confidence in myself uh, doesn't mean that there isn't self-doubt in the process or even after. It's there, but I've learned through practicing going for things that like it's always worth it to go for it, even if it feels a little bit weird or scary. Because in the end, the people that really know you if you know if you're being true to yourself are gonna are gonna be in your corner right and they'll be honest about it and like I would have been equally happy in my conversations with Misha and our manager if they had said you know what like it didn't really hit the mark Mm. and we learned a lesson and that's cool and no worries like you did it great I would have been equally happy having them been honest about it from that perspective but I really trust them and I think their perspective was like, was how I felt about it. And that makes me feel reassured in that who gives a shit what the majority of people think or not. If I'm into it, I'm going to go for it. And, you know, I, I gained some really cool things from that. So, it, and one of the biggest things was just more reassurance and confidence to try new weird shit. Matt, I have a question for you, and I think this is good for a lot of people listening. Uh, I think a lot of people are they're they're not at that level where you are currently, or or if someone is starting a new venture, right? Uh, which we've we've all been there with something of this nature. But Matt, specifically, because you you are really good at kind of diversifying uh, what the content that you put out there into the world, and when you are into something, you put it out there, and yeah. you might have trepidation, or or you know there might be apprehension and anxiety, but. Oftentimes, it seems like you still go for it versus not. If you were starting new with one specific thing, be it drumming or coffee or cars, etc., do you think you would still want to kind of mono the one thing for a period of time before you started introducing something else? Or do you think it might be better for someone nowadays to tap into, you know, the... uh, you know, whether it's a few or it's like a multitude of things that they're actually into and kind of put out a bunch of content of the stuff that they're into. I think it really depends on the person. Genuinely, like because there's some people who are really good at one thing and that's what they should do. 
Right. You know, that's what they should do. Uh, and then there's other people that, that have the ability to kind of do a bunch of things and tie it all together. And it's really authentic. But so I think it makes sense in, in that way, you know, like um, it depends on, I, I can't, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say this from a general standpoint, it's always better if you're starting fresh, focus on the thing that you're most passionate about and best at and really go all out with that until you get that to a point where you have some room to start introducing real other passions, you know, to your, your mix of, of, um, of sharing. Right. But, but until that point, you know, if it, if it doesn't feel right, then stick with what you're good at and let that be it. You know, that's fine. There's no reason not to do that. If what you're doing is, is working and it feels good and, and you're, you're fulfilled. Um, but if you feel like you need to, um, sort of diversify and like expand the things you put out there, then by all means, give it a try. But I wouldn't do like a million things at once. I would, you know, start with one. And then if you can add one more, then great. And then see how that goes. That would be just general advice, you know, without knowing the specific. Of course. Yeah. The individual who's doing it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'll use myself as, as an example. Uh, you know, half hour ago I was talking about starting graduate school in clinic, clinical and counseling psychology. Uh, but it wasn't until I embraced myself as a musician where I started to feel a bit more confident and alive in that journey that I was choosing for myself at that time. And so really I feel grounded as a musician. Up until that point, I'd spent much of my energy uh, focused on developing my skills and interests as a musician and within a music community. Now, of course, through doing that, playing in bands, etc., I got all kinds of skills that I chose to develop uh, in just running a business more generally or, or brand or learning how to communicate with the world. But for me, it was being hyper-focused on who can I connect with? Who can I learn from? How much experience can I get uh, to to become a really good drummer within this space of mental health and wellness? And I really focused on that and figured that was a unique enough combination to be able to stand out, to be able to be uh, memorable as I'm interacting with very diverse communities, uh, both on the ground and online. And once I got to a point where I felt comfortable in my success of those things, that's when I felt, I think, I I gave myself room to try the pro wrestling thing when I took on that full-time job at Ring of Honor because I felt like it wouldn't diminish everything I had worked for. In fact, it was the fact that I had invested so much into being a, a mental health professional who was a drummer that allowed me to tell a more compelling story, to get Ring of Honor to create a full-time position for me. So it's like this building block kind of thing where I'm using uh, all of that investment prior to now get the next thing that was desirable. Because pro wrestling has always been another passion of my life, but I think, just say, 10 years ago, I tried to do pro wrestling and music and mental health. I probably wouldn't have gotten great results in either of those. so, you know, now starting the podcast with you guys, this was another way for me to continue, uh, continue developing skills as a content creator and as a more public communicator. Uh, starting next month, uh, I'm starting a pro wrestling podcast project uh, within a pro wrestling community. Wei Ting uh, will be the co-host. Uh, he, we, he was a prior guest 
uh, this summer on, net, or, uh, on chocolate croissants and unnecessary conversations. Uh, but the point is, I'm now able to... I, look, he trusts me because I've shown over time that I'm able to uh, be valuable uh, as a musician and as a mental health professional and in the pro wrestling space and as a content creator as well. Uh, but for me, like all of this is connected. Uh, and the point in me sharing this is that I'm getting to live multiple dreams of mine. I mean, legit. Like, I'm, I'm not afraid to like be like a fucking fanboy about it. I mean, I've been listening to Wei Ting for almost a decade. You know, I have a shirt with his fucking face on it. So starting a podcast with him for a pro wrestling audience, but not necessarily talking about pro wrestling, talking about a lot of the things that the three of us talk about publicly. Uh, starting it with him is kind of like starting a band with my favorite musician. Mm. And in that sense, like what a, what a dream come true. But the reason I'm sharing all of this is because it was focusing on specific things and going really, really deep and trying to become world-class within it that then opened me up to the opportunity to work within pro wrestling at the highest level, which then opened up the opportunity to start, to have the audacity to suggest starting my own podcast with my favorite podcaster. You know, so the diversity is great, but the way I would answer it is uh, get really good at one thing first, and then that would afford you the leverage to, you know, Get the world to perhaps trust you a bit more uh, because you have something really unique and concrete uh, of value that you can demonstrate. So that's worked for me. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I like it. In my, in my head, I see you throwing a dart at a dartboard and you keep hitting the bullseye versus just aimlessly throwing and seeing just whatever if it'll eventually just stick. Well, that's the thing. I, I often talk about North Stars. And in right. this, in this, the coaching service that I'm now workshopping, uh, look, that's what's worked for me. It's like I'm not going to accomplish anything uh, of of note unless I have a clear vision for what I'm achieving. And it's starting with that north star, and then working backwards, and then your behaviors start mapping to that north star. And look, I never thought that I would work at Ring of Honor. In 2014, I made a Facebook post saying. I am intending and I want to share a Beatwell play shop with the Ring of Honor roster. And that started mapping some of my behaviors toward paying more attention to the company, figuring out who works there, etc. And that ended up getting me a full-time job. With Wei Ting and his post-wrestling community, my intention for years was I want to be a guest on their Christmas show. That was the goal. Never thinking I may end up just getting my own show on their post-wrestling network. But again, I had a North Star. I wasn't quite sure how that would pan out, but it at least created a vision and direction in which I could invest my energy and my attention to get closer to some version of what I most desired in life. But it starts with having a vision. It starts with being able to affirm, this is where I would perhaps like to be in a future reality for myself. There you go. I know we have to uh, <clears throat> take this train home shortly. Yeah, I think we're kind of like ra- rounding the end of third here. Uh, the end I of think third? We have, what kind of yeah, reference yeah, is that? Yeah. 
kind of like the well, we're you know, almost home right the, we're almost this is like the base. third portion you know or like the third portion of the show kind of like we had the beginning we had the fashion conversation and now we're taking this train home and as we take this train home uh, i think we should end on some kind of 2020 note and i'm just curious you know like you guys have any uh favorites highlights anything you want to share the uh like the best of 2020 i mean look we, we brought the podcast back there was a point where we were afraid to touch the amazon package no oh, no yeah right uh, yeah yeah i mean i think it's adaptation right it's like we've all adapted to this new reality that we live in that everybody in the world is living in and that's the reminder that i give myself when i have frustrated moments of like having to continuously do the the crap that we're doing right now based on the world around us is that like we're not i'm not the only one dealing with this by any means and you know the whole world is dealing with this so stop stop overwhelming yourself stop making it seem like you're more important in that way and just continue to to ride the roller coaster until one day you can get off and hop on a new ride and I think that's a really important perspective to remind yourself of that. Like we're all in this together in different varying ways, but for the most part, we all have to have had to figure out how to navigate a new, uh, a whole new world that, that we didn't expect to, to be, you know, having to embark on. Agreed. Uh, Justin, I don't know if I caught a slight smile as he said a whole new world and perhaps your mind went to Aladdin. Of course, of course. But it's these subtle things that I can pick it's up. It's just the words, it. man. You know, tie, tie right. some words but together. But now in my head, you're on a magic carpet. Well, we all are. Well, here's the thing. So Wait, speaking Jordan, of the, you, the, Jordan, the, the... did you just hear what Matt said? We all are. We're all on a we magic We all are. Carpet, and we're right? learning how to ride this brand new piece of magic carpet, you know, across this whole new world. And some of, well, us, are, some of get... us are riding it better and faster than others. Some right. of us are riding it higher. Some of us are riding it lower. Some of us are, you know, crashing. You never know. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. everybody's backwards. on their own little, right. This yeah, has been exactly. like the, this is like the, the, the year of the pivot. Like, can you handle whatever's coming and can you slightly navigate yourself uh, to feeling, cause this is not like for a long time. You, and I thought Matt, you were going to say, this is like the new norm, but obviously this is just the norm now. This is it. Uh, and yeah. Can, until, can until, there's a, a, until something changes to where like we can, I don't know if it's get back to what it was before or just sort of create a new version of what it was before. Uh, until that happens, then yes, this is normal now. And that is the thing. It's like we've we've adapted and this is normal. You know, going going to a, a, a public place and not seeing someone with a mask is really abnormal compared to what we're used to now. You know, and, and there's good reason for everybody sort of working together because the the one thing I don't want to discount here is, you know, the people who have had a fucking horrendous and, you know, ultimately for some people, uh, you know, the worst possible scenario with this disease. Right. And, um, it's very real in that sense. <clears throat> and, um, it is good that people, the, the majority of people have adapted and hopefully started, even if, even if they don't believe in it, for themselves, at least respecting other people's, you know, uh, positions on it and 
doing the right thing when you are out interfacing with the world. You know, it's, it's so anyway, to that point, it's just what is normal now to see in our world is totally different than it was a year ago. Of course. Yeah. Justin, I'm curious, like what, what your key takeaway is and then, and then I'll offer mine as, as we take it out. Sure. Uh, I mean, do you, uh, just in like the year, uh, in, in total, uh, or something that, because yeah, I think when I posed the question, it was where I was, I was, I was asking, you know, if anyone, you know, just kind of highlights of the year and, uh, to take it off on a, on a high note. But I mean, you know, I can answer it similarly to Matt. Uh, well, yeah, just, I think your experience now that we've gotten through close to a full year of this strange new life. Sure. I mean, you know, yeah, I, look, look, uh, uh, Matt, you're completely right. There are there are some people out there that are that have have experienced uh, a, a year that is, uh, you know, that you, you couldn't even have fathomed. Right? Uh, there would be something that that comes that 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 we don't really know much about, and that you know that your loved ones or, or you specifically, you know, someone would have gotten, and then and then you know your whole world gets turned upside down. Um, I know. Fortunately for the for the three of us, we've we've been okay. We've we've been you know mostly healthy, uh, you know, and, and what a gift that is. Uh, yeah, look look, this year has been wild, and, and I, I think back to when we first started this, and I know that you know uh, Matt and Jordan, you guys hadn't really left the house, and there was all this just uh, anxiety and, and fear of kind of what was on the other side of the door. Whereas for me, it it became very normalized to just keep moving forward. Uh, I had to keep getting up and, and leaving the house and, and going to a job and, 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 you know, in a facility where there, there was uh, a lot of COVID and there was a, a lot of um, COVID conversations and, you know, uh, wearing the right PPE and all this kind of stuff. So for me, it, I think I had, I had to adapt quickly to all of this stuff. Uh, I hope that, you know, one day kind of hindsight re- reflection will be able to look back on this and, and realize how strong we are and, and how well we all adapt it and, uh, you know, what kind of life lessons and skills we can learn from that really to apply to anything. I think it's still too fresh and it's still too, uh, still too new to really be able to look at. But I, I think if we actually sat down and thought about it, like, man, like all of us that are in this together and we're obviously all in this together in the whole world, uh, you know, I mean, credit to all of us, like everyone I think is, is doing v- most of us are doing very well adapting to what this is. And I think you can apply that to, to anything and that should give us all, I think uh, it gave me you know, strength and confidence in, in whatever we do. Although I still think there's kind of like, you know, Matt, you were saying with, with, the, with the car, you know, putting, putting the Jeep stuff out, it's like there's a thousand positive comments and that one negative one that kind of shoves us all the, the wrong way. Um, you know, I, I think we can, we can, uh, kind of get we can get better with how we handle all that stuff but i think it's it's similar to this year we're just we're adapting to uh you know what it is and and i think we've we've done a great job it's been a crazy year it's really been a crazy year and it's coming to an end and i think for a lot of people it feels like we're kind of like closing the book and opening a new and come friday you know whenever this comes out or january one it's all going to be different but it's it's you know it's still going to be the same we're still riding this wave uh i think i think as a as a whole, it's taught me that, that we can all adapt very well to this together and, and we're doing it.
which is kind of nice. Well said. I think one of the themes that the both of you presented was the fact that we're doing this together, the universality of this. My hope is that one of the lessons many of us learn from this year is how connected we truly are, mm. both in the ways in which our behaviors may affect others uh, with something as specific as a virus uh, or in, in uh, more subtle ways, just based on general kindness, you know, uh, opening a door for a stranger uh, or when it's safe to, to not have the mask anymore, to just smile at a stranger uh, or to ask someone how they're doing. Like, we're all connected. And not only is uh, offering love and, and things like that helpful to others, uh, and then in turn it may inspire them to pass it on, but ultimately we're loving ourselves when we're sharing love. So I think that's important to note. Uh, I was going somewhere with the, the, the Magic Carpet ride or the Disney thing, The Whole New World. I don't know, have you guys seen the movie Soul yet? Not yet. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I don't think this is quite a spoiler, but if you're listening or watching and you're like super vigilant on spoilers, then like just get the fuck out of here right now. But really, a lot of this podcast, we're talking about like our passions and infusing uh, our passions into our career or our art or the ways in which we, we make a dollar. And I think all of that is beautiful and wonderful and uh, you know I'm, I'm fully on board with that. But the punchline of Soul uh, focused on a jazz musician trying to make his dreams come true uh, as uh, a performing jazz musician. The punchline lesson of the movie is to just be grateful for the, the sheer uh, fact and, uh, and privilege of being a human being that's alive in every moment. Whether that's uh, how good uh, 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 the food tastes or how kind the stranger is or how sweet the, the birds sound, perhaps. That's kind of the punchline. And there's no one right answer, it's a push and pull. Of course, we can have these big dreams and chase after goals. But again, if we're only focused on that outcome and we miss out on just the moment to moment experience of being fully alive as a human being, well then, what was it all really for? So I think it's, it's all in the balance. So for me, what I take from this year uh, and experiencing not only a global pandemic that in many ways took away a lot of my work, which I'm interacting with people using physical objects, namely instruments, uh, in, in, a, in a physical room. Uh, a lot has been taken away from me this year. At the same time, like, I got to, I got to Skype with Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> or I got to do 28 weeks of these unnecessary conversations. Or I created room to develop a relationship with my favorite podcaster and now start a new uh, energy-fulfilling, life-fulfilling like, project with him. And I can name a half dozen or more things like that that happened as a result of more space and opportunity becoming available to me this year. And the ways in which I chose to respond to them instead of just endlessly playing a victim to the external circumstances. Uh, but the thing I think I learned the most is how quickly everything can change. And because of that, the importance of honoring uh, the moment and expressing gratitude for the moment, whether publicly like the three of us do most mornings in the Global Gratitude Jar on Facebook, feel free to join us there, 
uh, or just in our moment, uh, everyday, like interpersonal lives of just going outside and you see the moon and it's clear and just noticing uh, gratitude for that, how beautiful that can be and how miraculous something that we often take for granted can be. Um, because we don't know uh, what tomorrow brings. Uh, and tomorrow, quite frankly, isn't guaranteed for any of us. So I think that's the most profound, enduring lesson that I took from this past year. Uh, I want to say publicly that I love you both. I'm really glad we got to do the episodes we did this year. Uh, and obviously, as this project has evolved and as things come up in our individual lives, it often doesn't make sense for us to do this every single week or even with some level of consistency throughout the years. Uh, but at least in this moment, uh, I feel you know really fortunate to be having a meaningful conversation with the two of you. Uh, so before I literally, I don't know, you said rounding thirds still. I don't know if it, that's like a, a trimester pun or if that's like a, uh, a hockey it's reference. It's baseball. Um, I don't think it is. I don't know. It might be baseball. It could be something else. I listened to... Uh, much of the of one podcast and it feels like they kind of do it oh there's th there's the three bases but there's four bases four but bases. you round the third base right. so, you so you're kind of taking heading, yeah, it's, heading it's, home you're taking it home right but i also kind of think of well, it like you know in, in threes you know look at look at justin with the the baseball the inside baseball we could call it <laughs> don't give me credit um, this is all ariel Hawani. he gets the credit <clears throat> is there is there also I want to state publicly uh, at, at some point when it's safe I will be playing a game of tennis with Robert S. Pearson Whoa. Uh, is there anything else you guys would like to share before we uh, say goodbye yeah I'd like to get in on some Canadian doubles I'd like and you Matt, guys just to film that do you play tennis Matt no what, would you, you never did would you play tennis I did when I was younger would, yeah. would you no, okay. probably not. Probably what? maybe. I don't know. I don't even. I don't even have a racket anymore. You have a rack though. Mm. How's your new uh, rack downstairs? It's awesome, and it, I'm really glad that it's finally built and secure, and it folds in on itself, so you can make more room if you need to. Jordan, you better get ready. Matt's coming. 2021. Yeah, it's gonna be his year. Yeah, man. Hey, Matt. What like? What else are you gonna do? When you have nowhere to go, just, you know, take care of yourself, right? Do, do cool things that will help you improve mentally and physically if you can. Hey, and, and, and check out Matt's coming with the, uh, the I was going to say the ice bucket challenge. Yeah. The, Matt's doing um, the polar plunge at home. The polar plunge at home every day in January. Yep. That's going to be a lot of fun. Well, if you're listening or watching this now, we are probably in the month of January 2021. So at Matt Periphery, for more information on that, uh, help help a brother out as he tries to do good in the world with the platform uh, that he has earned over the years. Uh, is that it, guys? We're done? We good? Take it home. It seems, it seems like we are. Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. Uh, not much energy or life in there uh, currently day to day. I it, seems like perhaps, uh, it seems like perhaps uh, <laughs> that 
uh, it goes hand in hand with the amount that we put out into the world with these episodes, but uh, it's still there. Uh, there's many kind, lovely, creative, interesting, compassionate people in that private Facebook group. Again, facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. You're welcome to join us there and feel free to uh, start a conversation. Uh, I, w- we see them. We see them. Uh, and uh, I'll comment if you, know, you, you offer something. You got to tee it up. And then I can hit up. You know, it's it's it's, it's a, a baseball. T-ball. It's I a played, baseball reference. I, t- I played t-ball one season as a child. Uh, it went. Uh, it was a disaster, quite frankly. Uh, you can uh, you, you can you can rate and review the podcast <laughs> on uh, on Apple Podcasts, people. Um, honestly, we appreciate your attention. We don't take it for granted. We know that it is a privilege. Uh, we hope you are doing well. We hope uh, your family and your friends are are safe and secure. Uh, Give them a call. Let them know that you love them. And uh, we don't know the next time we'll have an episode. Uh, But what I can guarantee is that at some point there will be another episode of the Chocolate Croissants podcast. Uh, You can look at the copy below and, uh, I don't know, I'll probably have a link for wish-bone.com. Please be kind to yourself. Happy New Year. I'm going to throw the bells across the room. It's been a long time since I did that on Skype. I do it often on Twitch and Instagram Live now, but Skype, it's been a couple months. Um, we got to go. This was, we, we, yeah, we got to go. I feel like this was a terrible ending to a wonderful episode, however. Uh, and uh, here, here's, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, please be kind to yourself. And now I'm going to try out a new catchphrase to see if this works. Perhaps we'll uh, include it in future episodes whenever they may be. See you next time.